All right. Well, again, so good to be back uh, after a couple of weeks of uh, just a lot of travel. We've been on the road a lot the last couple of days. I'm glad some of you saw my eye this week, and I won't go into the story behind that, but at least it's cleared up, and uh, it was just beat blood red for a week. I busted a blood vessel, and people looked at me, and just they would cringe every time they looked at me. So, And a few of you did this morning anyway, and I don't understand why. <laughs> All right, let's once again pause and pray. Look, and just on a serious note, guys, that any time we come to the house of God, any time that we open the Holy Scriptures, it's a solemn time. It it is a time that we're coming before a holy and mighty and righteous God. And, And we should never take light that He has given His Word to us. And if we're going to gather anything this morning, if you, if you gain anything at all this morning, it will not be because of the pastor. It will not be because I can eloquently speak because you know that's not true. But if you gain it anything at all, it will be the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who has shown you something from the Word of God. Amen. And for that reason, we pause And we call upon our Lord to open our hearts, to open our mind to understanding, to captivate where we are at this morning, and to think and think only on Him and His Word. There is one thing that we want to do this morning, and that is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. We're not here to play. We're not here to entertain. We are here to glorify Him and Him alone. So let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you. Thank you for your word. God, I pray this morning as we step off into the subject of spiritual gifts, God, that you would speak to our hearts in a very mighty way, that your spirit, which your word says will guide us unto all truth, would do that very thing this morning. Guide us to truth, we pray. Father, I pray that we would set aside preconceived notions, traditions, and that we would be open to what you would speak to us through your word. Ultimately, Father, we would pray this morning that we have already been praying that you would be working in the hearts of men and women. For those who need to have a closer walk, God, that you would draw them closer. For those who have no walk, that you would illuminate the truth of who you are, letting them know that they need a Savior, and that Savior is you, O Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that in these last days we would be a church that would be found faithful, faithful to love you, faithful to love one another, faithful to love the lost, faithful to preach the gospel faithful to witness to our family and our friends. So now, O Lord, we submit to you. We ask for your forgiveness for our sinful hearts. We ask for a cleansing, a washing of the word this morning. And we ask that in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you would, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? I'm not sure how far we will get along this morning, and this may turn into a two-part today. Uh, I've uh, 
was on the road coming back Sunday and Monday from my little brother's funeral in Wagner, Oklahoma. Uh, if you have never uh, stayed in Wagner, Oklahoma, don't. <laughs> the one hotel that we stayed in, I had to prop a door un or a chair under the door uh, to because it had been kicked in uh, before. Uh, so uh, it, it's a rough, rough little town. Uh, so it was an interesting time. But we traveled back on Monday and then spent Tuesday and Wednesday here and then took off and went down and visited my younger daughter and our grand new, uh, brand new grandson down there. So allow me a little bit of time as I told the folks Wednesday night, you know, let me get my preaching legs back under me like a, uh, you know, a guy that needs to get his, his uh, a landlubber, get his, his sea legs there. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11 will be our base text, and let me read that to you, and then we'll be using several other texts out of Romans and Ephesians as well. But in chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing and the, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Well, this morning we're returning to the subject of spiritual gifts. Now, Paul Paul wanted to ensure that the church understood the nature of spiritual gifts. This is often an area of instruction that is misunderstood, misused, and many times simply ignored. And I, and I will say this, that, that many Baptist churches, I think, miss it when they, they try to, they're so afraid that they're going to go over too far that they will ignore the subject of spiritual gifts. But it is a subject that you and I need to be well acquainted with and that we are actually implementing those spiritual gifts within the body of Christ. Right? So bear with me. Hang on. This is going to be a roller coaster ride, I guarantee. Now... So, there's a common theme that runs throughout Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians and Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. And what we find in that, as a matter of fact, if you would, just, just turn with me uh, back to the left in Romans chapter 12. And verse 3 and 4 of Romans chapter 12. Now, you will see that the context there is dealing with spiritual gifts, as is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and as is Ephesians chapter 4, the first part of that anyway. But in verse 3 and 4 of Romans 12, it says, I say through the grace given unto me, now pay attention, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have been many members and one body and all members have not the same office. Now, the context here in Romans chapter 12 is dealing with spiritual gifts, the same as in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you will see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he says that in verse 7, he says, but that, that manifestation is to every man. Now, in Romans chapter 12, it said that twice, every man, every man. And we get over to Ephesians chapter 4, and it says the very same thing, that spiritual gifts are given to 
every man. Now, what's the point? The point that Paul is trying to get across to the believers is this, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and I don't want to get ahead too far of my main, uh, one of my main points, is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been gifted with at least one spiritual gift. Not a natural ability, not a natural talent, but a supernatural energized gift that is given by the Holy Spirit. So along with that, and when he is saying that everyone has been given that gift, it is a demonstration of God's grace. Now that's important as well as we study through the next three chapters of 1 Corinthians. Spiritual gifts are not something you earn. Amen? It is a gift. It is grace. It is grace to you just as salvation is a gift of grace, which gets down to the point. It is a gift. And here's the second thing that Paul really hammers uh, throughout his message to the Corinthians, to the Romans, to the Ephesians, and really to the rest of the church, and by the very nature of the word, to us today, that spiritual gifts are never to be used for your own personal good. It is never to draw attention to yourself. It is always to profit with all. It is for the betterment, the, the establishing, the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. That is what spiritual gifts are for. So anytime that you see any type of shenanigans in spiritual gifts where all the attention is being drawn to the person, you can automatically throw that out that it is at least a misunderstanding, certainly a misuse, and may not even be real at all. Now again, let me, let me just give you a little preface here because I don't know the entire audience that's hearing this. By the way, I think that we're on radio now, I'm not sure, which is a, an amazing thing to me that anybody would ever want to hear that. I, I talked to John Holder and he says, have you heard yourself? And I said, no, nor do I want to. <laughs> if it's there, then that's, that's good enough, right? But I want to tell you kind of my journey. Let me just throw this in. I, I used to go to a Baptist church as a kid, a little bitty tyke, right, with my grandparents. But where I got saved was in an Assembly of God church, right? Now, in case you don't know that, that's what we call Pentecostal, right? So, and I'm telling you that because as I walk through this, I want you to understand my journey. That, that it has been a journey. Now, where I'm at doctorally today, I've been that way for probably 30 years. But it wasn't always that way. So if you've got a background along those lines, then just bear with me. Been there, got the t-shirt, got the hat. Was part of it, all right? But just bear with me as I go through. I want you to hear that because I want you to hear my heart. In no way am I trying to down talk. In no way am I trying to poke fun of. I don't doubt anybody's experience. I may doubt the legitimacy of that experience because I had lots of experiences that didn't line up with what the Word said. Right? And so what I'm asking all of us to do today is to take whatever experience that we have and hold it up against the Word of God. Is that fair? That's just a fair thing to do, right? Now, even one of the guys that I admire so much 
John MacArthur, we probably have a little bit of differing opinion on some of these things. And, and I probably even fall more to the right than he does on some of them. And uh, we'll, we'll talk as we go through them. But the main thing I want you to get just in the way of introduction this morning is that they're a gift, they're God's grace, they're for every single believer, and they should be being used. And you'll remember that from our last message out of 1 Corinthians, we talked through and said that there were five different words in that chapter that really give us an understanding of the spiritual gifts. And let me just kind of refer to them again. There was spirituals. We find that in the first part of the chapter is where we get our word spiritual gifts. In the Greek, it's hard to break it out, and the translators broke it out, spiritual gift for us, but it literally just means spirituals. The Greek would have understood that. They would have understood that it was dealing with spiritual gifting. But, so we have the spiritual gifts, and along with those spiritual gifts, there was another word that was called diversities. In other words, there are a lot of different spiritual gifts that God has given. A lot of diversity in spiritual giftings. Aren't you glad that God does not make a bunch of cookie-cutter Christians? Right? I, I like the fact that we can be different. I like the fact that you don't have to look like me, and some of you said amen. I like the fact that, that you know, we don't have to behave like each other all the time. We ought to all behave in a godly way, right? But we, God has made us special, unique people, and he has done that in the giftings that he has given us spiritually for gifts. So that is what the diversities are there. He says that there are different administrations, and that word administrations is where we get the word deacon. The same word as deacon, which means to serve. There are different ways in the spiritual gifts in which we serve. So we just can't say, well, if you've got this gift, this is the way you must do it. God says, no, there are a lot of different ways that you can serve with that spiritual gift, a different way to administrate that gift. And then he said that there are operations. There are many operations, and that word simply means that there are many effects or many ways that God energizes spiritual gifts. He may use the way I speak one way. He may use the way somebody else speaks another way. It is God who energizes that gifting. And then finally, he said that there are many manifestations, and how that that is seen, how that is played out. Now, let me just do a little bit of math that somebody else did for me, because my wife would testify to the fact that there is no way he could have figured this out himself. But if you take those five words, and let's just say that those five words that I just went over were a combination lock with five tumblers, and you take the 18 gifts that we're going to talk about over the next two weeks, three, well, pardon me, the next two months, right? If you take that and you've got five ways, five combination, you got a five combination lock and 18 different gifts, did you know that there's over 18 million ways that those gifts are used and demonstrated? Now you talk about an awesome God. You talk about a God who makes every person's fingertips and fingerprints, great. And I hope they're really good on those prints that just got picked up. <laughs> you talk about a snowflake that is unique. That one, that there's not another one like it. And you see, God says, I will use you and I will gift you and use you in a unique way like no one else. That's a pretty good introduction. That's where we are this morning thinking about it. 18 million ways that the gifts can be made known is really overwhelming. 
18 specific gifts that we're going to focus on and learn about. We can further break these 18 gifts down into four separate areas, which help us kind of take bites at a time. And we can further break those four separate areas down into two different areas, which are speaking and serving. 1 Peter chapter 4 and 11. Peter says, to the one who speaks, let him speak. One who serves, let him, one who ministers, let him minister. Talking about spiritual gifts is what Peter was talking about there. So, moving on. This morning, we're going to look at five discoveries, maybe this morning. As I look at the clock, probably this morning and next Sunday morning, we will look at this. Five discoveries concerning spiritual gifts. Five things that I think that we can discover about spiritual gifts. Now, again, this is just the introduction to this. And some of these gifts, we're going to go in very detail. Some of them I'm just going to kind of go over. Some of them you may have a different view on, and that's okay. But as far as what we believe and what we teach, here's where we're at. Now, discovery number one. Discover that you are gifted supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Am I back? Okay, I wasn't sure if that was just me there for a moment. All right, gifted by the Holy Spirit with at least one gift. Now, we just talked about that in the introduction, so I'm not going to go over it a whole lot. But what I want us to grab out of that, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the moment that you were saved, the moment you were saved, you were given a spiritual gift, at least one. Now, it's up to us to, to identify those and learn what they are. But you're given one. Young Will, when he accepted Christ, that young man was gifted with a spiritual gift. Now, it will become evident, hopefully, as he grows, uh, and he understands more about that as he grows, and his parents and church come alongside and teach him. By the way, can I just say this? I alluded to it back there. It is the parents' and the, and the parents' responsibility to raise a child up in Christ. Right? Uh, that, that is the thing. It is the parents. It, is not, it's not, it doesn't take a village, right? It takes parents. Now, I will tell you this. What the church does is they come along and affirm what the parents are teaching. That's our responsibility. Every single one of us need to be coming along and backing up what, you know, Kara and, and, and Billy are teaching young Will. Every one of us need to be coming behind Michael and encouraging what he is teaching to our youth and saying, this is the truth of God's word. Now, I'm a little bit off course there, but I just, I just wanted to make, make sure that you understand that. So here is this one discovery that we are supernaturally gifted. The key to that is supernaturally gifted. There are many people with talents and abilities, right? And, and I like what Jeff Adams has said along this. Listen, we can, we can get somebody to come in and play. There are gifted, there are gifted people who can come in and play a piano. W would you agree with that? I, I guarantee, because I, you know, I remember talking to Riley and he said, he says, we, we can hire somebody to play the piano. We could, he, he says, there are people that will, you can hire to come in and sing. And they may have beautiful voices, but it has nothing to do with supernatural ability. They are simply gifted people that can do that. But I will say this, and we'll get into this gift a little bit later on, the gift of exhortation, that God that can take somebody who has a beautiful voice and use that supernaturally as a gift of exhortation to exhort all of us to serve the living Christ. 
Does that make sense? Now, so you have a supernatural gifting if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you may have great talent, you may have great ability, but you don't have a supernatural gift. Because you must be born again to have it. You can't separate those two. And again, Ephesians 4 and verse 7 in particular, and Romans 12, 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 7 and 11, bear that out, that every man, every woman who is a child of God has been supernaturally gifted with at least one gift. Second in that, they're given only to followers of Jesus Christ. Third, they're given to serve others. But every single one of us this morning is gifted. Now, can I just be bold as your pastor to say that not every one of God's people is using that gift, their gifts? Your gift is not to come up, show up on a Sunday morning. Grateful you do, but that doesn't mean that that's your gift. And as I said last week, I find nowhere in the Bible that there is a gift of spiritual criticism. I find that there's a gift of exhortation. But I don't find where the Bible says that you're free to criticize people. As a matter of fact, I find that that's a sinful attitude. Man, did he just say that? Discovery number two. Discover the purpose of your spiritual gifts. Verse 7 of, of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians says this, But the manifestation, the making known of the Spirit is given to every man, listen, to profit with all. Romans chapter 12 says, Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You see, that was part of the problem with this Corinthian church is they wanted all the showy gifts. They wanted all those gifts that really said, hey, take a look at me. And evidently, that was some of the problem with the Romans as well because Paul addresses it there and he says, look, listen, here's the reason. It's not about you. He said, it is to profit with all. Well, what does that mean? The whole purpose, the whole purpose of your spiritual gifting is this, is that it is given to you to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And it is given to you, for instance, if you have the gift of evangelism, to win people to Jesus Christ and teach them what it is to follow Jesus Christ. Somebody over here got it. That's the point. It is never to say, hey, look how great I am. Look how spiritual I am. I tell you, I think as we get older, the more we understand of how much grace really means. At least it should. And we understand that it's by grace that we live and move and have our being. And so it is with spiritual gifting. I've told you many, many times that I certainly never thought that I would be a pastor. I mean, if somebody would have said, shoot the preacher 30 years ago, I would have been safe because there wasn't anybody close. I mean, I, I, mean, I didn't, no way, no way. But it is for the betterment 
It is for the lifting up. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to accomplish the work inside of the church and outside of the church. It is to build up the body of Christ and to witness to the lost. That is the purpose. It is not self-seeking or self-approved. And by the way, you don't get to choose what gift you want. God does the choosing. God does the gifting. Right? That's why I don't like those spiritual inventories test. Because most of the time they're wrong. Number three. Who knows, we might actually get through today. Number three. Discover the categories of gifts. Now here's where we, here's where we step off in the water. Right? So if you haven't put your snorkel on and your fins yet, go ahead and slip them on because we're fixing to get in some deep water. All right? And it's going to challenge some of you. It may challenge, in fact, I think it'll challenge a lot of us from both sides of the spectrum. Can I tell you this? That there's, it's, it's like a, a, you know, a couple that's having a, a problem. Uh, there's his version and her version and the right version. Right? His truth, her truth, and the right truth. Well, it's the same way in spiritual gifting. There's one side that has a view, there's another side that has a view, and then there's God's view. And where we want to fall in is God's view. Right? So that, that's all we're trying to accomplish here. And, and uh, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. That's all right. You know? You don't have to agree with me. But I will say this. This is not, if, when it comes to my opinion, I will tell you that it's my opinion. But if it comes to what God's word says, then you must take it up with what the word of God says. All right, so discovering the categories of spiritual gifts. Now, we're going to break this down into about four different areas. And the first one we want to start with is what we will call revelatory, revelatory gifts. In other words, they were gifts of revelation. They, they were opening things up. Now, most of our young people today don't remember this. All of us, most all of us in here, there's a few folks like Michael. Sometimes I will reference some type of TV show and he'll look at me like, what are you talking about? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, kid, get out of here. But most of us remember, do you remember the old Sears Roebuck catalogs? The old Montgomery Award catalog? And they always sent one out at Christmas time, didn't they? And, and I tell you, as a kid, we would open that thing up and we use the wish book. And we had looked through there, man, we had pointed, and my poor parents, they were probably, you know, because we were, man, we, we were so poor, we didn't have two nickels to rub together, right? But we had looked through that, man, and we'd say, man, I'm, gonna, I'm looking for this, this, and this, and, you know, just wishing on those things. You all remember that, right? You know what's unique about those gifts, or those, those catalogs, when they came out, is they were seasonal in nature. In other words, they only came out once a year. Here, I'll give you guys one that this, this new generation will, will identify with. You can go down to Starbucks, and if I went in there right now and I said, I want a pumpkin latte, then they would say, sorry, bro, out of season. Because it's not the season for it, right? Now, there's a season that they have it, and it's in the fall. But just like, now this is key to understanding revelatory gifts, just like 
there are times or a time that you can order from a catalog and get Christmas gifts and a time that you can go in and order a pumpkin latte and get it. There are times that you can't because it's not in season. And that's what revelatory gifts are. You see, there was a season that God used these gifts to expand the kingdom of God. He had a purpose in using specific gifts to build the church of Jesus Christ, building the foundation of the church. And they are called revelatory gifts. These gifts were manifested from the ascension of Christ when he went back to heaven, remember, on the Mount of Olives, and he says, hey, he took off, and the angel said, hey, what are you guys, you know, I, I would be one of those guys just sitting looking up, and he says, why are you staring? He's going to come back in the same way. He's coming back. So from the ascension of Christ until approximately 70 A.D., 70 A.D. was when the books of, of the Bible were complete. Now, why is that important? Because we believe that once the books of the Bible were complete, there is not and has not been new revelation from God. Because if there's new revelation from God, we got a problem. We have an incomplete Bible. Because the Bible says that we have everything that we need for life and godliness right now. So if we're getting new revelation, we have an issue. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation says that anybody who adds to the book is cursed. Pretty serious. Now again, I want you to hold any experience, which I have had to do, I have to hold my experience up against the Word of God and see whether my experience is true or not doesn't match what the Word of God says. So we have these gifts that are revelatory. Let me give you the first one. As a matter of fact, turn over to Ephesians. Take a right-hand turn from 1 Corinthians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 11. Now, what we love about the Lord, right, is he, he just, he's got, there's 18 gifts that we can find, right, that we can put our finger on and say, here's 18 spiritual gifts. He doesn't give them all in one location. They're scattered throughout, you know, in particular Romans and 1 Corinthians 12 and, and Ephesians chapter 4. But here are some of the gifts that he gives. Now, we're not going to find some of these gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12, but I wanted to mention them here, and we'll, we'll probably go in more detail a little bit later on. But he starts out in verse 11, Paul writing to the Ephesians. Again, the context here is spiritual gifts. And he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now, you'll note that there's no comma between that, that pastors and that really should almost be a hyphen pastor teacher there. And because we'll find teachers in another place where he gives teachers, just teachers. And, and I'll say this, and I'll probably say it again a little bit later. All pastors must be teachers, but all teachers are not necessarily pastors. Does that make sense? 
Again, it comes to the giftings, right? And it depends on how God gifts that person. So we have these revolution, uh, revolutionary, revelatory gifts here, and the first one that we're going to talk about is the gift of apostles. Now, I, I hope that we would all say that there are no longer apostles. Now, I know that there are some churches that will say that there is what is called apostolic succession, which is passing apostleship down from one generation to the next. And the problem with that teaching is there is no biblical evidence to support it. As a matter of fact, if we go to Acts chapter 1 where the apostles say, you remember uh, that son of perdition, Judas, who was a false disciple, but he was one of the apostles, and they said, we have to choose among ourselves another apostle to take the place of Judas. And they laid out that there were rules that must be followed in order for him to be chosen. And first of all, we would say that, and it's not popular, but it was a he. It was not open to the women. It says he must have been. Here's some of the things that he had to be. He had to have been with Jesus from the beginning. He had to have witnessed Christ in his ministry. He had to have been a witness to the crucifixion. He had to be a witness to the resurrection. And he had to be a witness to the ascension. That was the standard to be an apostle. Now, there's one exception in there. Anybody want to take a guess who that is? Paul, the apostle Paul. Right? Now, apostle, the word simply means this. Sent one. Messenger. So there were apostles in the sense that the church sent people out there, but there were no apostles in the sense of the 12, right? Because there are 12 thrones that will be given out along to these apostles during the reign of Christ, and those apostles will set on those 12 thrones. And Paul is the only exception to that, but Paul, we know this, he saw the resurrected Christ. He heard from the resurrected Christ. As a matter of fact, he was commissioned by the resurrected Christ. And so he fits the requirement as an apostle. And, and so when we look at that, we just see that the last apostle died on a place called Patmos, the apostle John. And that was the last living apostle. And you say, well, Jim, what is the point of all of this? Seasonal. You see, there was a season for apostles. Not open all the time. It was for a very specific time that God had apostles. And they were here for the purpose of establishing the doctrine of the church, building the foundation of the church, the foundation of what you and I stand on today was built by the doctrine of the apostles, and God gave them as a gift to the church. You see, there's no new revelation coming. And beware of anybody that says there is. As a matter of fact, all I have to do is when somebody says something and saying, well, I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I, I have this, this thing, and here it is. I just need to take the Word of God and hold it up and saying, if it already tells me it's there, then that's what I run with. 
right? I, I don't need something new to tell me that. Does that make sense? Okay. Buddy, hold your hands up real quick. It's all right. It's okay. We're not, we're not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just making sure you ain't got any rocks. Start throwing stones at the pastor. Second, and we're probably going to close with this one. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get through this, this whole, I'll, I'll get through the next two. Three. Not really three. <laughs> Gift of prophecy. Prophecy simply means to speak forth the word of God. That's what it means. Speak forth the word of God. Sometimes it came from the scriptures, right? Sometimes a prophet was simply quoting what was already said. Sometimes there was new revelation that the Lord was bringing out and that he used a prophet to do this. And as a Baptist, this may rock us on our heels a little bit, but did you know that there were female prophets? You say, whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. No, there were. But what I want us to get out of this understanding of, of prophecy, this gift of prophecy, is that there is no new revelation. Beware of somebody who says that they are prophesying today. Now, let me, let me just give you a modern one in my lifetime I remember. Do you, do you guys remember the guy by the name of David Wilkerson? Some of you do. I do. He prophesied that California would fall off into the ocean in a certain time frame. Has California fallen off into the ocean? Sometimes we wish it would, <laughs> right? But it hasn't, has it? So that would have been a false prophecy, therefore a false prophet. And the Bible had the answer for false prophets in the Old Testament, and they were to be taken out by God's people and stoned to death because they were making a terrible assumption to speak the mind of God when it was not his mind. Do you understand the severity of that? Woe, woe, woe to someone who would try to speak in God's place. That is why we must stick to the word of God. That is why God tells pastors and teachers, you better be careful what you teach because I'm going to hold you accountable for it. So I don't need to tell you what I think. I need to tell you what God says. When we look at that, again, those who claim today to make all sorts of prophecy. Hey, listen, there's all sorts of stuff out there. But again, I've got enough right here, right? I have got enough right here to focus on. I don't need to listen to what somebody is saying is going to happen in the future because they, they had some you know, vision or whatever. And if they did have a vision, God would have already said it's going to happen in here. So the only place I really need to go to is here. 
And the problem is, is we go running off after teachers saying, well, listen, man, the, the Lord prophesied this, and the, I'm prophesying this, and I'm prophesying that. Listen, number one, that idea of, of kind of, of speaking into the future, uh, predicting the future, it didn't even come into existence until the medieval ages. And be careful of this, brothers and sisters. There are false uh, spirits. You remember we talked about that? That Paul uh, had warned the Corinthians, be careful, because at one time you were led, you were pulled along by these dumb idols, who, which in reality were demons. Listen, Satan says he can manifest himself as an angel of light. Be careful that you're just not listening to anybody and everybody. What you need to be listening to is the Word of God who will be verified by the Spirit of God and also by those who know the Word of God who can confirm that Word. Does that make sense? So be careful of that. Now, I said I would say that you know, John MacArthur, he differs a little bit on prophecy. Now, John would say this. He would say that prophecy is that gift that uh, is, this is uh, enabling somebody to take the Word of God and speak forth the Word of God with power. Okay. I, I can roll with that, right? But I, I wouldn't say I've got the gift of prophecy. I would say I'm a pastor teacher. I, I would say that maybe I have the gift of exhortation because I want to exhort you to do what is right. So I can take that and say, listen, if I just, if I just take these, these two off right now, I don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about this morning. You don't have to worry about, the, you say, Do I, am I an apostle? All right? I will tell you 100% you are not called to be an apostle. That is not your spiritual gifting. Good. Now we only have 17 more to work through. <laughs> Second, you can probably check off prophecy. Right? Now, if we do roll with, with what, and, and man, I have the utmost respect for Dr. MacArthur, and I would say, yeah, I can, I can go with that, you know. I, I can go either way with that. But I will say this, the idea in some circles where people are out prophesying new revelation coming from God, that is not a gift from the Holy Spirit. Can we all agree on that? Okay. So, word of wisdom. And again, I, oh, later than I thought. Word of wisdom, real quick. We, we'll rehash these two next week. Word of wisdom. Word of wisdom. During the revelatory times was a special word, speaking word that was given to someone to open the mysteries of the gospel. For instance, Paul opened the mysteries of how the Gentile church had been brought into a relationship with God. A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge in the same way, being able to make a, a, a pulling a new revelation together to, to fit into the natural mind. Again, MacArthur would say that there are those with a word of wisdom today, which would be the ability to understand God's will and apply it obediently. Paul certainly had that gift. He, he was able to take the word and, and make application of it for us to be obedient to the word of knowledge, the ability to grasp the meaning of God's word, revelation, which is a mystery to the natural mind, the mystery of the church, the mystery of the Gentiles brought into Christ, those two things. So if we're going to say that, you know, 
But I would say that if, if, if we're going to say that we say, if we want to say that this is not revelatory, that it's still for today, if we were to say that, then there needs to be this caveat. It is not that I'm somehow getting new revelation to tell you. I sat down with our kids yesterday, uh, my youngest daughter and her husband, and they got a brand new baby, and, and you know, they got a little two-and-a-half-year-old that's got some, you know, some special needs there as well. And, I mean, they were absolutely exhausted, you know, uh, and, I mean, just the whole night they had been up with both of those kids. I mean, two young parents worn out, and, and, and I just told them, I gave them a word of wisdom, right? And it comes from the Scripture. And I said, look, when you get really tired, it's easy to say things that you shouldn't. I said, the Scripture says this, be kind to one another. You see, that's a word of wisdom, but that's not new revelation, that comes from the scriptures. So there may be, I, I, I'll say, okay, I can, I can buy word of wisdom, word of knowledge, but it's not going to be new revelation. It's going to be from the Bible because the Bible is complete. Now, time to close. Oh, good. I didn't hear any amens. A lot. We'll, we'll cover the rest of this next week. We're going to talk about confirming gifts, right? And then we're going to talk about speaking gifts and serving gifts over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then we'll talk about the body of Christ and how these gifts are comparable to a body functioning. And then we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about love is the one thing that should take precedence over every spiritual gift, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then we're going to get into the subject about tongues and interpretations of tongues, and there is an entire chapter that Paul wrote on it, an entire chapter. So we could say it's important, right? If he wrote an, an entire chapter on it, right? Okay. Okay. Let me, uh, as we get ready, musicians and Tom, I think we're going to dismiss in a song. Listen, you will notice in the bulletin it said this, I want you to know as your pastor, the altar is always open. I would invite you to come and pray before the service ever starts. Come pray during the service. Come pray after the service. No invitation necessary. It's always open. So if you feel the need to pray, you come. You pray. But I want to say this. I don't ever want a Sunday to go by. I was talking to my older brother yesterday, and he says, with my little brother's death, he says, it has absolutely changed the way I'm praying. Do not put off salvation. Amen. I'm not sure if my little brother's in heaven. I'm not sure. And it would be so much easier to know so that I could rejoice. There are no second chances, church. You make that decision here. You make that decision now. And you make it in a childlike faith like Will did, who says, I will follow him. Heads bowed and eyes closed.
I will. I just, you know, I made a, you know, an agreement with the Lord a long time ago. I will not manipulate people. But if the Spirit of God is moving in your heart in any way, whether it be for salvation, whether you just want to pray, whatever you want to do, again, the altar is open as we sing. If you want to pray with somebody, you grab myself, you grab one of our deacons, you grab one of these ladies. They'd love to pray with you. Our goal at Westside Baptist Church is to preach Christ crucified. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to preach the word. God, we pray that you would move in the heart of your people, not only today, but throughout the week. God, may we be a people that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.